and what God does. But today I want to I want to get us a little ready for that. And uh, and I just want to talk about turning messes into blessings. Okay, you say how does that <laughs> how does that? Well, all of us are mess makers, right? Amen. None of us are immune to making messes. We make physical messes, but what happens very often is we make messes in our life. And what started out as dirty diapers for most of us, well, for all of us as infants, just continues right into the future. We're still making messes, okay? And a mess is really nothing more than disorder in any situation in our life. It can be just one little corner of our life, and it can be in a mess, it can be a confused life. It can be a chaotic life. But what happens is most of the time it, that life is filled with the debris, the trash of the past. We're still dragging the garbage can with us from the past. It can be anything that, uh, or everything. It can be a selfish life that kind of grabs everything that comes in contact with and pushes everybody around us away. It can be an offensive life that pushes people that we love far away. It can be an abusive life that just systematically destroys everyone and everything. It can be an addictive life where a desire dictates our direction. Any of those things, folks, can create a mess. It can create chaos in your life. It can be a sickness. It can be anything. But it's a mess. And yet, we serve a God that Scripture teaches is a God of order. In God, there is no chaos. There's no confusion. So the problem is not with God. Amen? The problem is somewhere on this side. Which means it's with who? Us. Amen. Well, I could stop there and we'll be done. Okay, that's... Because not everybody believes that. There are, there, you know, God didn't create the mess that we're in. He didn't create my mess. He didn't create your mess. He didn't insert something like an event or an action into our life to turn our lives upside down. He, he just didn't do that, folks. Messes are the results of wrong decisions and wrong choices. Bottom line. What you sow, you reap. Okay? That's, that's just a, that's a divine principle that, that never changes. And, and what happens is the responsibility for those choices and those decisions rest with us. But what happens is when we get in the mess, who do we want to blame? God. God could have done differently if he'd wanted to. Well, I could have made a different decision. I could have made a better choice is the reality. And so what happens is we, we ignore those messes, even though we've made them, and we act like they don't exist. And what happens is we remain stuck in the mire. We, we never move. We're just, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's like walking with syrup, or it's kind of like a fly on a, uh, what do they call those things that hang down? Somebody help me here. Fly paper. Mouse, the mouse traps now they have that the... Rat runs on, he's stuck. It, it's, that's kind of like what life is like very often for us. And what happens, we're trapped in that mess until we face that mess and we clean it up. That's just the bottom line. That's just reality. And this morning, I, I want to take a, a story. One of the things that, 
that encourages me when I read Scripture. I don't know about you, but it encourages me. Most of the people I read about in here were a mess. There, there are no superheroes in here, okay? They were just people with, with, with messes that God used. Listen to me. God can use people who are a mess. He can't. If he, if he couldn't, guess what? He wouldn't have anything to work with. That's exactly right. He wouldn't have anything to work with. The material's just not there, okay? And so I want to share a, 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 a story, and we're going we're to walk through this man's life very quickly because it's a familiar character. We're gonna, we're, Genesis chapter 25 begins the story of a man whose life was self-sufficient, it was independent, and it was a conniving mess. His whole life. His name is, is Jacob. Y'all remember Jacob? Jacob is the father of the twelve tribes. He is the father of the nation of Israel. He, he is the one who produced the twelve sons. And yet he was a mess, folks. His whole life, for the most part, was a mess. And it began, it began even before he was born. It began in his mother's womb. There was a struggle in his mother's womb, Scripture tells us, for superiority. And Jacob and his bro- brother Esau were twins, and they struggled for dominance. They, they were basically fighting to see who would be born first. Okay, I've, I've never been pregnant, so I have no idea what that must be like. And, and I don't know many people that had twins, but I know a few. I just can't imagine. But, but here, these two, these two babies are struggling to see who's going to be born first. Jacob lost the struggle. But Jacob didn't give up. Because when Esau is born, guess where Jacob is? He's got Esau's foot as holding on as hard as he can. He's trying to pull him back. See, that, that was Jacob. They had been fighting since the moment they were conceived. And Jacob was born a few minutes later. And, and that might not seem like a lot to us, but it meant a great deal in the culture that he lived in. It meant that Esau would receive the birthright. He would inherit the birthright, which meant he would, he would be the, the leading son, the firstborn. He'd get a double portion. It would mean that, that all the other family members would look up to him. He would be the patriarch one day, the leader of the family. And if you just think of Jacob's, I mean, and, and, and Esau's uh, lineage there, you've got Abraham, Isaac. I mean, th- this is a pretty rich group. They've, they've got a huge promise from God. And so that meant that, that whoever was the one that, was the, was, that, was, that had the birthright and that had the, the promise and the blessing, they would inherit those promises. And so J- Jacob is struggling for it, but Esau... Is born first. He inherits the birthright, but he also inherits the blessing. It means when his father uh, gets ready to die, and he gives the blessing, and he blesses, he'll get the he'll get the blessing of the firstborn, which was huge. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And the thing is, Isaac and Rebecca, mom and dad, didn't help it any. Okay? In fact, they, they kind of egged it on. They, they kind of pushed it along. Uh, they named 
they hung a name on Jacob that would follow him for most of his life. You see, Jacob sounds like a really nice name. Amen. I, I, I hesitate to ask if anybody's here named Jacob, okay? But if, if you are, here's the Hebrew meaning of it. It means hill catcher. It means trickster. It means supplanter. The one who pushes you out of the way to take your place. That's what it really means. That's what Jacob, and that's what they named their son. Here comes the one who will push you out of the way and take your place if you let him. That's what they were saying every time they said Jacob. And so Jacob gets that name hung on him, and the mess begins. And then mom and dad help it out a little bit more because guess what? Esau becomes Jake, I mean Isaac's favorite son. He's a man, the, 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 the scripture says he's a man of the field. He's a man of, he enjoys hunting. Now, pastors and preachers and teachers have wrongly taught that, that Jacob, it says he was a man of the tents. It, they've wrongly taught that he was an effeminate man, that he was a sissy man. That's not true, okay? It simply means that his, his direction was different than his brother's. He was a strong man. Okay, he spent 20 years as a shepherd working for his wives and his crop. I mean, his 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 uh, livestock shepherds are not weak. Okay, he he just had a different bent. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that he was a sissy. He was a mama's boy. It you know what? Daddy loved Esau and mama loved Jacob. That happens all the time. But it was very obvious in this family. And, and Rebecca, God had given Rebecca a prophetic promise while those babies were still in the womb. And she took hold of it. Okay? Listen to what it says in, in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. God speaks to, to Rebecca and God says this. Two nations are in your womb. And two people shall be separated from your body. And one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Okay, now, now, Rebecca took hold of that. That means, if I add one and one and it always equals two, Jacob is the one who's going to rule. Well, you know what? I'm going to focus my attention on Jacob, and I'm going to pour into him, and I'm going to push him along. Now, God doesn't need Rebecca's help, okay? But she feels like he does. And so what happens is she begins to push Jacob along. And, 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 and as Jacob grows and as he matures, he takes it up and he sets out to make sure that this happens. And you know what he does? He learns how to be manipulative. He learns how to, to work situations and circumstances to get exactly what he wants. He learns how to use the weakness of others to get what he wants. And through his choices, he allows his conditions to dictate his identity. Now, what he does is not who he is. Okay? But he makes choices. And what he does becomes who he is. In a sense. He becomes, you know, they hung the name supplanter on him. The one who pushes you out of the way. Guess what he becomes? He becomes the one who pushes you out of the way. And takes your place. If you give him a crack in the door, he'll have his foot in. And he'll be first in line if he can. That's, that, that's what Jacob did. 
And, and he became that supplanter. He became the one who takes the place of, except the place he was attempting to take was not the place of his father. It was not the place of his brother. It was the place of God. See, Jacob took responsibility for his own life to get everything that he could get. He didn't depend on God. He didn't depend on his father, his brother, his mother. He depended on Jacob. And if you look at his life, and we're going to look very quickly at it, you see that over and over and over. And so Jacob learned to trust himself. He learned to trust his own physical strength. He learned to trust his, his, his thinking ability, his, his capabilities of his mind, his abilities. And, and he, he, he began to live off his own wiles. And what happens is he becomes very self-sufficient. And he becomes very independent. And listen to me. Those two elements will crush you when you make a mess. If you're self-sufficient, there's nothing wrong with being self-sufficient. There's nothing wrong with being independent as long as you're dependent and sufficient and God is sufficient. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't want a bunch of people that are robots that do what they're told. That's not what God wants. But folks, bottom line is, you and I can't solve our problems without God. And we can't gain God's promises without God. And so what happens is, most of you know the story. Jacob determines that he's going to have both the blessing and the birthright. He just makes up his mind. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to look for an opportunity. And it didn't take long. One day Esau comes home hungry. Now we all, we, you know, we castigate Esau as, as you know, he's just, he's just a, a young guy. How many of you have ever had a teenage boy or been a teenage boy? And what's the number one thing on their mind most of the time? It's food. It's food. Feed me. Feed me. That's, I mean, that's just the way boys are. And what happens is most of us men don't change. We're the same way. I want something to eat. Well, that's Jacob comes. I mean, Esau comes home. He's been out in the field. He's been hunting. And he's, he's famished. He's starving to death. And, and Jacob seizes on that. And he's making bean soup. He's, he's cooked him a pot of bean soup. Well, Esau loses all reason. He can't focus on anything but the smell of that soup, okay? He can taste it. And so Jacob makes a move, and he offers him a bowl of soup for his birthright. He purchases it, which was completely legal in the culture, okay? He could purchase it. He could, it could be sold or it could be bartered. And Jacob, man, in a moment of weakness with Esau, works that deal to perfection. He's got the birthright. But the birthright's not enough. He wants the blessing. Okay? He wants the blessing. And so he sets his side on it. And as, as they mature, as they grow up, uh, their father gets old. He get, becomes pretty much blind. And he's nearing the time of his death. And, and so Rebecca knows it. See? Jacob's got a little inside help. Rebecca's keeping an eye on things. And she, she comes to him and says, hey, you need to do this, this, and this. And, and you know what? He says, cool, I'll do that. Never once did he say, yeah, 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 but. Uh, the only thing he was worried about is when his daddy felt his hand, it wouldn't be hairy enough. No problem. We'll glue some goat hair on there. 
Esau must have been a bear of a man, okay? He must have been a booger, okay? And so what happens is he wants that blessing. And the blessing was often a prophetic thing. It, it, was, it very often pictured the potential, potential that lay ahead for a son if he walked in fellowship with God, if he obeyed God. That, that birthright was, 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 was the, 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 the physical things, but the blessing was spiritual. It was a spiritual thing. And so the blessing was also a validation that a father gave to a son. And who is Isaac's favorite? Esau. Jacob had never got good job, son. He never got that. And so what he does is he goes after it. It's kind of a, a well done, good and faithful son. And so while Esau's out hunting for his father's favorite meal, Jacob took his place. He supplanted him. That, I mean, that, there you go. He pushed Esau out of the way. And he took his place and he convinced his dying father that he was Esau. And, and what happened is he stole the blessing. I want you to listen to the blessing that he receives. It's in Genesis chapter 27, verse 28 and 29. Now may the God... Now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be he who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Now, in essence, what he's received is the same blessing that Abraham received who in turn blessed Isaac. And now Isaac is blessing Jacob. It's the covenant of God is what it is. See, God has, uh, Jacob is, 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 is receiving the fact that, you know what? I'm going to have the dew of the earth. I'm going to have the fatness and the abundance of wine and grain. And people are going to serve me. Nations are going to bow down to me. I'm going to be master over my family. And those that curse me are cursed. And those that bless me will be blessed. It, it's the same blessing that Abraham got. And once the blessing was given, folks, it was irreversible and it was irrevocable. It couldn't be taken back. Once it was spoken, it was done. Now, what a mess. Amen? The baby boy now has the birthright and the blessing. Add to that that Esau has figured out What's happened? And he made a vow to do what? I'm going to kill him. I'm just going to kill him. That'll be the end of that. I won't have to worry about the blessing or the birthright. I'll just kill him. And you know what? You back up away from that story and, and being religious, and you know what? I vote for Esau. I, I would have been the same way. I really would have. I think most of you would have been too. So what did Jacob do? That's exactly right. He abandoned his mess and he ran. I'm going to give you two principles here. Messes that are not dealt with only get bigger. Okay? If you don't deal with a problem, guess what? It just continues to grow. The second one is you can't run away from your messes. And he couldn't run from his. He took his with him. Because it wasn't something separate from him. It was him. Okay, he was the mess. He was messed up. 
And so, you know what? God would have given Jacob what he worked so hard to steal if only he had been obedient. Don't you listen to this. God would have given Jacob what he, what he desired if he would have just been obedient. See, he'd already spoken prophetically. The younger will rule over the older. He will be a, na- a great nation. He will lead this family. That's what God had said, and God does not lie. Okay? I've heard all kind of explanations of how Jacob uh, helped God out. He didn't help God out because God needed no help. Okay? He, he, had, he needed no help whatsoever. And he never does. And yet God gives Jacob a little more time to clean up his mess. In fact, he even makes a covenant. Now here's, here's, here's Jacob. He is fleeing for his life. He's sleeping on a rock. Okay, He's got a rock for a pillow. That's, that's how bad his condition is. He's by himself. And God comes to him in the night. And God speaks to him in Genesis 28 verse 15. He says, And God says, Behold, I'm with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God says, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. And I am going to give you the promises that are yours. I'm going to fulfill that promise I made to your mother. But sadly, the bitter fruit of consequences, which are the results of his mess, are going to be what he eats for the next 20 years. That's what he lives off. That's what his diet is. And so Jacob ends up fleeing to Padam Aram or to Mesopotamia. He goes back where Rebekah came from. Back to the, to, the, to the old home place. Back to the family. And he flees to the, to the house of his mother's brother, Laban. And Laban, folks, Laban makes Jacob look like a baby when it comes to manipulation I mean, he's the king of manipulation and the king of control. And guess where God sends him to? Where he can learn a little bit about what it looks like. And so what happens is Jacob goes there and he promises, Laban promises Jacob that, Jacob, if you'll work for me seven years, I'll give you my daughter Rachel. Jacob looks at Rachel and says, cha-ching, that's not a bad deal. Okay? Y'all don't y'all read the same story. I do. Now some of the rest of this I don't quite understand, but but anyway, so it, it's gonna be he's gonna have to work to 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 win it's the dowry. He's basically playing a dowry price. And so what happens is on the night of the wedding, Laban switches brides. You say, How does that work? Well, guess what? They wear veils. You you see the, the women today in the Middle East with the they wore veils. They were sisters. And so Jacob slips Leah. I mean, uh, Laban slips Leah in. Jacob wakes up the next morning. It's not the bride he... It ain't the one he bought, okay? So he goes to his father. He's irate. And he says, well, yeah, we got this custom. We don't never do the older, younger before the older. Blah, 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 blah. If you'll work for me seven more years, I'll give you Rachel. Okay. Fourteen years. And he's got two wives. In the process, his father-in-law changes his wages. 
over and over and over. If you'll do it for this, I'll give you this. Well, he doesn't give him that. And so you see what's happening? He's getting a taste of what he's been doing all his life. And he can't outwit this guy. (laughs) And so for six more years, he works for sheep and goats. And he takes the weak ones and the striped ones and the ones that get called out. And you know what God does? He blesses him. In the midst of his problems and in his pain and in his mess, God just blesses him. And his herd grows. Literally and figuratively. Because two wives turn into four wives. Not eight, but four wives. The wives get into a... I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. A competition on who can produce the most children. Because if you were fruitful, you were blessed. That was their mindset. And so Leah and, and, and uh, Rachel get into a, a competition. And to help them out, when things slowed down, they just threw their maids in there. So all of a sudden, Jacob's got four wives. He's got four wives, 11 sons, one daughter, and countless sheep and goats and camels and donkeys. And he's worked for his father-in-law for 20 years. And yet in those 20 years of toil and turmoil and constant stress, Jacob doesn't deal with Jacob at all. It's always somebody else's fault. Ever said that? That's That's what he thought. Now you add to that the constant tension and the tempers that were on age that were on edge with his father-in-law. And you know what Jacob decides to do? Run. Just run. That's, that's the answer. When things get bad enough, I run. And that's what he does. He runs. He loads his four wives up. He loads his 11 grandsons up, his, his daughter up. He doesn't give them a chance to say goodbye to their, fa- their grandfather and their father. He just loads them up and they head out. You see, Laban just happens to be on the other side of the county shearing sheep. Two or three days between them. And so he heads back. And and so, you know, he takes his fortune and he flees. Well, You know, when Laban hears about it, guess what? He gets angry. How angry does he get? He gets an army up and goes after him. I'm going to get my stuff back. And so... Long story short, they come to an agreement, and they make a covenant, and Laban goes back to pat him around, and Jacob heads back to Canaan. The only problem is, he's still got a problem there. He's got to come to terms with a brother who the last thing he said was, I'll kill you. And he knew he meant it. And so, in his head, he's trying to figure out how many camels and goats and sheep and gold coins is it going to take to make peace with Esau. That's what he's consumed with, folks. He had suffered a great deal. His mess had cost him a great deal. He's not a bit different 20 years later 
than when he left. He's the same conniving, manipulative person that he was. He's self-sufficient. He's hard-headed. And folks, he's intent on getting his way. And here's another principle that please write down. God will only allow you to run so long before he forces you to face your mess. You see, Jacob wanted God's promise, but he refused to rest in God's provision. He wanted the promise, but he wasn't willing to rest in God's provision. He was determined determined to get it his way. And listen to me, this is what God says in that case, whether it's Jacob or it's you or me. No way. Not going to happen. I'm not going to bless that. And so Jacob returns home, and he doesn't realize it, but God's not going to bless the mess. See, until you face the mess, God won't bless. None of us will ever gain through our strength what God has chosen to give us through His grace. No matter how capable you are, how smart you are, you will never get what God has chosen to give us through your own abilities when He wants to give it to us through His grace. And yet Jacob's determined to get it his way. Folks, all of us have to face that mess, and we all have to clean it up. And, and really the, the word for cleaning up a mess is just really repentance. That, that's a very simple it means to return back. It means to agree with God. That God, this is sin, and you're right, and I'm wrong. And folks, we all have to deal with our past. It's impossible to step into the future if you live your life looking in the rearview mirror. If you don't deal with your past, it becomes your present. And it will be your future. It will be all that you see. The past is continually... Maybe a better way to say it is continually the, pers- the future for a person who lives in a mess. Things don't change. And so Jacob comes to Canaan and he crosses over. He knows there's no way to sneak back home. Okay, you've got to remember, this is not Jacob by himself, slipped in, slipped out. This is Jacob with four wives, 11 sons, one daughter, countless servants, And tremendous herds. Wherever they go, you know what they create? Dust. A cloud of dust. And you know where you can see it? You can see it forever. Something's coming. Let's go check that out. And so there's no way to hide it. And so he knows his brother's going to hear of it or see it before long before he gets there. And he's gripped with fear, folks. He's so afraid of what's going to happen to him. Let me tell you how afraid he is. He divides his his group up. He stays on one side of the river. He sends his four wives, 11 sons, one daughter, all his cattle across the river. They camp over there on Esau's side. He camps on the other side. He's still selfish. He's, who's he more concerned about? Himself. 
And he's terrified. It's a high place right there. (laughs) He's terrified. And so he gets ready to try to go to sleep, and out of the bushes, somebody jumps on him. And he's in a fight for his life. I mean, literally, verse, uh, let me find where I'm at here. This is where my finger was. In in, in chapter 32, it says in, in verse 24, this is not on the screen. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him all night until daybreak. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, somebody jumps on his back. It's like Channel 42 wrestling, okay? there. I mean... Except in their day, wrestling, the one that lost died. Okay, that's, that's in effect what happened. There was nobody to tag out to when you got tired. And so they're wrestling. And they're fighting. And, 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 and his opponent doesn't seem to be able to overcome him. But he can't overcome his opponent. The sun begins to, to come up. And whoever this is that's wrestling with him, Scripture says, reaches out and touches his thigh. The Hebrew says, he slapped a vicious blow against Jacob's thigh. And what happens when he, he, when he hit him, he hit him in the hip. And what happened is he crushed the sciatic nerve. Is there anybody in here that knows what a sciatic nerve is? Does any, do any of you struggle with it? So you know what it is. It creates great pain when it's pressed. Okay? The attacker didn't press his. He crushed it. All of a sudden, powerful Jacob, the man who can do anything on his own, his leg collapses. That's what happens when your sciatic nerve doesn't work. You can't push off. You can't get up on your heel. You can't do a lot of things. You say, how do you know that, Nelson? Because I've got a dead one that runs right down here. Okay? i got a drop foot. Jacob's got a drop foot. He limps. He limps. All of a sudden, he can't maneuver. You know what he does? He hugs the old boy as hard as he can. He just grabs hold and hangs on. It's like I was talking to a young lady this morning. They went to see the bull riders. Yesterday, and that ride the bulls. Listen to me. The guys that ride the bulls, they're on top, but they're not in control. The bull is in control. Jacob was no longer. We've read this story to think that old Jacob, he wrestled with God and won. He didn't win. Okay? He's holding on for dear life. His, his leg has collapsed. So he just grabs hold because he knows if he lets go, He's dead. Okay, we don't think of it. He's fighting for his life here. And in his mind, I'll die. If I, if I let this guy loose, he'll kill me. You see, all of Jacob's manipulative tactics were useless at this point. His strength's gone. Folks, he, he's just about whipped. And then the attacker speaks for the first time. And this is what he says in, in, in Genesis chapter 32, verse 26, he says, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. Let me go, for the sun's coming up. And Jacob responds. He says, I will not let you go. That sounds pretty good. Until he says this, until you bless me. 
You say, well, why does that sound pretty good? Obviously, Jacob's in the superior position. No, he's not. Or he wouldn't have asked for a blessing. Please don't miss this. In saying this, when Jacob asks for that blessing, he's admitting defeat. He's admitting that he's whipped. He's, he's asking for a blessing because he recognizes the identity of his attacker now. He, he knows who this is. It's not Esau. It's not Laban. It's God. It's God. It's the same person he's been fighting all his life. And listen to me this morning. If there's a mess in your life, you're fighting God on that issue. That's why the mess is there. And Jacob was fighting God. Throughout Scripture, there's a pattern that's, that's found. And the principle of blessing is this. The greater always blesses the lesser. That's Hebrew. Okay? The greater always blesses the lesser. And with that request, Jacob is bowing his head. He's surrendering. Folks, he's sacrificing his pride He's giving away his strength. He's, he's, he's surrendering his self-sufficient sufficient nature. Bless me. Now, to, now, I just love God because every once in a while, God just kind of mashes your nose down sometimes to make a point. All right? And I don't mean that in a, you know, but he goes a step further so you never forget the instant. And his opponent, Jacob's opponent, says, what's your name? Now, we read over that in English, and we think nothing about it. But in the Hebrew mind, that question is the equivalent of demanding that your opponent say uncle. It's like, you ever had your arm twisted up? Say uncle, say uncle. When it hurts enough, you know what you do? You say it. Well, that's what, that's what, that's what God's saying. What's your name? What's your name? In essence, God's saying to Jacob, you either give up or you don't get up. That's, that's, that's what he's saying. You either give up or you don't get up. You surrender here and now. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. There will be a place in your life where God will hem you up if you won't deal with your mess. And you'll have to. You'll have to deal with it. He'll do it because of, why? Because he's angry? No. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. For Jacob, there's no place to run. There's no place to hide. There's no way to win. I mean, he has to face his mess. And so Jacob faces it. He spoke one word. He says, Jacob. I am supplanter. I am the one who pushes everybody else out of the way to get what I want. I'm the mess maker. I'm the trickster. I surrender. And folks, listen. It's only when we are willing to surrender and willing to face that mess and admit there is a mess and give up. When we're willing to repent that God steps into the picture and things change. You can't do it with your personality. You can't do it with your strength, with your gifts, with your talents. And you can't run forever. 
You have to face it. Jacob faces it. And God gives him a blessing. He gives him a new name. And that new name is a new identity. It's a new destiny. Listen to what he says. 32, 28. He says, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and prevailed. In his surrender to God, you know who won? Jacob. Folks, we don't win when we struggle against God and don't surrender. When we surrender, we win. When Jesus surrendered his body to the cross, he won. We won. When that happens, God will make you victorious over every mess in your life. When you surrender. Perhaps this morning, your life is kind of strewn about with messes made through a a lifestyle. Maybe it's a persistent lifestyle of self-sufficiency. Maybe you're just, I don't need anybody, I can do it on my own. Maybe you're a pull yourself up by your bootstraps, typical American. Okay? Perhaps you're searching for, for something that's left you empty and unfulfilled and you, you can't find whatever it is you're looking for. Perhaps what you're looking for so hard and longing for so deeply is not some accomplishment, not some ability, not some goal, but it's just God. You see, there's a place within us that only God can fit. And you can put everything you want in there but it will never satisfy you. Perhaps this morning you, you find yourself just kind of collapsed in a, in a heap of pain and, and regret, and, and it may be impending doom due to the mess that you call your life. Listen to me, if you do, if that's who you, if where you're at, look up. Look up. What you're wrestling with is not your mess. It's not your enemies, it's not your family, it's not your husband, your wife, your children. It's not your spouse, it's not your boss. It's not whatever you want to fill the blank in, it's with God. That's who you're wrestling with. That unbeatable opponent is God. He's undefeated, okay? Undefeated. A bazillion and O. That's his record. I don't know what a bazillion is, but whoever's wrestled with him has lost. But you know what? You do have a choice how this wrestling match turns out. You can give up. You can stop struggling. You can tell him who you are. Confess what you've done. And you know what he will do? He will give you a new name. Because He has a destiny. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Folks, you cannot outrun Him. You cannot outmaneuver Him. You can't outflank Him. And you can't outweigh Him. He's eternal. At best, we're going to live 
75, 80, 85, maybe 100 years at best. So we can't outweigh him. All you can do is surrender. That's it. If you really want your mess this morning to turn into a blessing, then you just need to surrender. You need to give up. You need to throw your hands up and say, God, I give. Calf rope, uncle, I'm done. I'm done. That's the end of me, God. Now I want to see all of you. If you know the rest of the story, Jacob limps across the river. He limps for the rest of his life. Every time he took a step, he remembered what took place that night. You know what? Messes leave scars. Okay? But they don't leave infected wounds. They leave scars. The scars are there most of the time just to remind us where we've been. Jacob limped every time he limped. He remembered who he used to be. But every time he took a step, he he knew who he was. And God blessed Jacob. God gave him another son, which is 12. Those sons became a nation. That nation produced Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the one in whom all are blessed. You know what? There are some people in here this morning that are struggling. I don't know what it is. You and God know. You're wrestling with something. And God doesn't just want to heal that issue. He doesn't want to just clean up that mess. He wants to create something that goes on for generations. See, God is not just a right now or a past God. God is a future God. You see, with God, past, present, and future are now. It's all now with God. And God has things He wants to do through us. But the mess in our life, slow it down, hinder it. Folks, this morning God just wants to deal with your mess. Whatever it is. And all you have to do is say, God, I surrender. I give up. Here it is. I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not going to try to be independent anymore. I'm not self-sufficient. I can't fix everything. I can't forget it. See, a lot of people, they say, well, you know, the Bible says, Paul says that forget that stuff. Leave that stuff behind. Listen to me. That's a lie the devil uses. The context of that chapter where Paul talks about forgetting what is past, he's talking about the degrees he has on the wall from Pharisee school. The University of Pharisee. All the stuff he'd, he'd competed and all the, the ribbons he had won because of his ability to argue and fuss and fight over little nuances of the law. All the things he had earned in his life. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about pain. He's not talking about suffering. He's not talking about issues that hadn't been dealt with. You see, we have to deal with that stuff to step into freedom. Otherwise, we drag the chains of bondage along with us. Jacob wrestled with God until God crippled him. Okay. 
God doesn't want to cripple you. He doesn't want to cripple me. He just wants to take the garbage and deal with it. He wants us to give it to Him. To open our little hands and quit holding on to it. To open our heart and give Him access. It has to start somewhere. Why not right here? Why not right now? So well, Nelson, I don't want anybody to know this. You know what? Nobody has to know it. God's not wrestling with me about you. He's wrestling with you. Deal with God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Maybe there's an issue in your life. Maybe you don't have an issue this morning. Maybe, I mean, you know what? God brings us through a process and sets us free. Maybe you're free this morning, but you may be here this morning and there is an issue. And, and you know what? You've, you've drugged it around for years and years and years and years and you're convinced that you'll have to drag it forever. Listen to me. God is taking that garbage away this morning. I love what the Old Testament says. God takes our sins. He takes our garbage and He casts it in the sea of forgetfulness. And He chooses no longer to remember it. He puts it behind Him. And listen to me, if it's behind Him, it's behind you and me. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I, this is just a ministry time, but, but it's more than, 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 a, than a time to get up and to do this or that. It's a time to let the Holy Spirit minister to you. It's a time to say, God, I surrender. Whatever it is, I surrender. I need you to take it. I need you to heal it. And I need a new outlook. I need a a new vision for the future. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Would you just minister? For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.